Welcome to Just to Know You, the podcast that interviews regular people at SAES and finds out they are far from regular. That's right. I'm your host, Darian Batten. And I'm Angela Kerskadden. Let's get started. All right. Welcome, Enrique. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you very much. I uh, appreciate being asked to uh, join. Oh, this is awesome. Um, okay, well, I'd like to start off by introducing um, you to our, our listeners. Um, why don't you tell us about, so this is your first year here in Saudi Arabia? Correct, it is my first and year. And what, what, what brought you to SAES? What made you, what was the pull and, the, and your drive to come here? Pretty much ever since I was young, you know, I've always kind of wanted to travel and see the world and just be out there. And it really hadn't worked out. But the the main reason why I'm here, believe it or not, I was sitting around with my fellow counselors and, you know, complaining as most educators do in the United States about <laughs> a little bit of money that we make. Sure. And um, one of the counselors that I was sharing an office with was like, have you ever thought about uh, teaching overseas? And I mentioned that, you know, I flirted with the idea, but I just never knew how to get the ball rolling, you know, and for the lack of a better term. And um, she goes, well, you know, she mentioned she had taught for, um, for not, not for Aramco, but for uh, in, in Abu Dhabi. She had been a teacher in Abu Dhabi. But then she said, uh, you know, Enrique, I have a really good friend who worked for Aramco, and you wouldn't believe what they pay those Aramco teachers. So, you know, at, literally as we're talking, you know, I turned around on my computer and I just put in Aramco in Google and I uh, went to the website and... You know, I submitted, uh, they didn't have any counseling positions open at the time. They just had a, so, but I actually submitted for a second grade teaching position. So I submitted my application and then, you know, per Ramco was a couple weeks later, you know, I, I, I got my first contact and uh, it was like, oh, by the way, I see that you're a certified counselor, you know, do you want to get away from counseling? Is it that you want to go back into the classroom or would you like to be a counselor? Like, of course, you know, I said, well, no, I'd like to be a counselor if that's possible. And that's pretty much how I got the ball rolling. That was like September of last year, and I landed in Kingdom uh, March 14th. You know? March 14th? You came in the middle March. of the year? I came in the middle of the year, yes, ma'am. And so you were joined by your wife, and, and how many children do you have? I actually came by myself in March. Mm -hmm. my, my wife, and uh, I have two children. Um, yeah. I have a 17-year-old daughter. She's a senior, and she goes to the ISG Academy here. Nice. And then my son's 14. He's a freshman at the ISG Academy as well. Nice. And um, they just joined me, I would say, maybe about seven weeks ago. So oh, I was, wow. uh, yeah, I was here by myself. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and single housing over there in Mint. <laughs> so your wife is not a you're not a teaching couple like they, she doesn't. No, teach um, my wife's a professor, but she's never been. She's never gotten uh, certified. She's never taught in elementary or high school. You know, yeah. she's always taught the adults, yeah. and she's kind of enjoying. She's she's still teaching right now part time. She's teaching a couple classes online mm -hmm. for the junior college that she works for. So she's she's busy enough. She, you know, sure. she's enjoying it. You know, she's teaching like three classes, and but it seems to be working out. Um, how has this a uh, change in life and pace been for your teenagers? Well, you know, the way it played out was the complete opposite of what I thought it was going to be. You know, <laughs> I thought for sure my daughter was going to you know flip out because it's her senior year, and mm. you know she had been at the same high school since her freshman year. And then I thought for sure my son would be all over it, though. He was like, oh, yeah, because he, he's really into, like, um, military history and, you know, being on well, this side of the world, being a lot closer to Europe. I thought we would be able to do those kind of things. 
but it was completely the opposite. It was my daughter who was like, okay, yeah, that's great. Let's do it. And it was my son who really had a lot of reservations about it. And I think it had to do with school. You know, he had just started playing American football for the, mm. he had his first year he played organized ball and he really fell in love with it. And yeah. he did pretty good. You know, he got some compliments from other coaches, from other teams and stuff. And he got, he applied and got accepted into a pretty good high school in the Houston area mm. that pretty strong academically and pretty, pretty strong athletically as well. So he was really looking forward to playing football, you know, and, mm-hmm. and originally my wife and kids weren't going to come for at least a couple of years. But um, my mother, my mother-in-law passed away unexpectedly. And my wife was already starting to have second thoughts about kind of like being a single mom in Texas. Yeah. I mean, we weren't you know, separated or anything like that. Yeah. We were just, yeah, yeah. it was just too good Fine of an opportunity pers- for us to pass up for me, you know, for not to take this job. My wife realized being a single mom is overwhelming. So when her mother died, you know, that was one of the major things that was keeping my wife in Texas was that, well, I got to take care of her because she was in the early stages of like dementia and Alzheimer's Mm. and you know what I mean? So there were some issues there that my wife, Rachel, didn't feel comfortable um, making a move as as drastic Mm. to the other side of the world, you know? And she kept saying, I was like, you know, I can't just jump on a plane and be, be with my mom in three hours if I need to be. As a counselor, you try to always think that there is a really, truly a positive in everything, anything mm. and everything that happens. And I hate to say my wife's mother passing away was a positive, but it did push her to realize, like, you know what? Okay, I'm moving. That's when they decided to come here. And so they've been here, uh, like I said, eight weeks now. So Now, was it ever a consideration? I know it's a very different culture to do the boarding school world. So like my daughter, she's uh, in 10th grade this year and she's mm-hmm. gone to boarding school for the first time. Was that ever a consideration for you guys or was that jump just too much to take? Well, you know, my kids didn't get here in time to, I mean, they started the school year late to begin with. I mean, mm. they started the, you know, I, I love Aramco, but you know, there are certain things that you you're told to expect, and it's kind of a slow moving process. And uh, getting getting my family visas, and you know the the famous yellow paper, which is literally a piece of yellow paper, by the way, when you eventually get it, that took a while. So they were mm-hmm. late starting school. They were actually they didn't start school about two weeks into the school year. So we really didn't have the option of doing boarding school this year. I see. Now my son has flirted with the idea. The uh, Aramco had a. Uh, a boarding school fair just a couple weeks ago on campus. Well, not on, at the middle school. But to be honest with you, I don't know. <laughs> I think I, I don't think I'm ready to be honest with him for for him to go away. And uh, and my wife is really not on board. And he's he guys he kind of goes back and forth. I feel bad because I I almost feel like the only reason I don't want him to go is selfish for my mm-hmm. part. Well. I'm pretty close to my son. And then at the same time, I was like, oh, but this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I mean, how many kids get to go with a boarding school? And, you know, I I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see. We'll see what he decides. But right now, um, the wife isn't too excited about it. And I'm not too excited about it. So we just might hopefully let it die down. And (laughs) Yeah. You know, know, I I relate with 100% of everything you're saying. I think everybody that's listening to this is probably saying, yep, I was there or wherever they are in their journey of, you know, if you've got little children, you just don't ever see this as it was, it's never your plan. It's not really Mm -hmm. kind of what you thought you were going to do. But, um, and I think it just, I think it works for some people and some families and yeah, that's a hard, I really struggled with like 
figuring out if this would be a fit for our family. So far, it's been a positive experience for us, but it's a huge decision. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. felt, I, especially that part where you said, I don't know if I'm ready. That's how I felt. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I am ready for that. It's When you think about your kids, if you were to think of two words to describe your son and your daughter, what words would you use? I would say it's completely different. I mean, yeah. my son has always been a very social, he makes friends pretty easily, um, kind of easygoing, kind of mm-hmm. mellow, you know. And then my daughter's always been a little bit more high-strung and stuff, a perfectionist, and she really pushes herself pretty hard to be a perfectionist. I always find it so interesting that they're brothers and sisters growing up mm-hmm. in the same household with the mm-hmm. same, you know, the same parent. I mean, pretty same much DNA. the same DNA. <laughs> But it's a, it's amazing to see the individual personalities mm. develop, you know, and 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 they don't really haven't changed that much. It's not like you know one day she was you know this and the next day she's that. I mean, we've seen this ever since she started like talking, <laughs> you know, mm. and the same the same with him. So those personalities were there, you know, and and I, hopefully we've developed them. And so uh, let's kind of take it back a little bit. You are yes, from where? Oh, I was um, born and raised in Chicago, Illinois, and um, uh, so I'm, I don't mind sharing my age. So I was born in 1971, and uh, in Chicago, I was uh, first generation born in the United States. My parents were immigrants, so Mexican American, you know, my own Mexican immigrants in, in Chicago, and I was back in the 70s, and. Uh, so English was not my first language, actually. You know, I always tell people that, you know, Popeye taught me how to speak English until I got to <laughs> kindergarten. And then I went to a small Catholic school, so they didn't have bilingual programs or anything like that. So they just threw me in there. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just, I mean, in a way, I think I've done okay because, you know, I did, you know, undergraduate degree and my master's degree and, you know. But it did affect me in the sense that, uh, you know, I, I did have a pretty severe um, stutter issue in early elementary but it was just when i it was a weird stutter i was thinking about this getting ready for this you know interview it's like it just dawned on me that the stutter that i would deal with it was just when i was called on to read at school so Uh i never really experienced much of a stutter like speaking to um pretty much anybody else (laughs) you Mm. know so it was kind of like school associated so i think it might have been with the case maybe i was just a really nervous kid and and i used you know i did have high anxiety when i was a early years but anyway so i was born and raised in chicago and uh i lived in chicago till i was about 24 and then at 24 i um Kind of, this is one of one of this kind of a long story, but I, I try to I have a condensed version of it. <laughs> so <laughs> I was uh, so I was twenty four. I was like twenty four. It was in nineteen ninety six, and uh, or twenty three, and in that ballpark, maybe twenty two. I don't know. I'm not a, not a math guy. Um, but anyway, so my mother had gotten my my mother had gotten sick, and she was having a, a severe pain, back pain issues, mm-hmm. and we couldn't find what the problem was. I mean, we had taken her to specialists in Chicago, and you know, doctors in Chicago. I mean, just we couldn't find what the issue was. So, come January of 1996, she came and she uh, spent some time. My dad's family side of the family lived in the Houston area, so they came down here to spend some time in the Houston area. And the weather was wonderful, you know, what it is. When I say down here, I'm in my head, I'm back in Houston, I guess. But <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking Houston. I, I, I was there. I was there with okay. you. Okay, mm-hmm. perfect. Thank you. So um, 
So my mom gets to Houston. It's January. It's like complete night and day from Chicago. You know, Chicago's like 30 below zero and mm-hmm. Houston is like 80 and sunny. So whatever issue she had, it it made her feel a lot better. So mm-hmm. at that time, you know, kind of fast forward a little bit. My brother was the first college graduate in our family. So he was just back in the day of uh, computer programming was his major. <laughs> so um, Smart guy. Yeah, yeah. So he, you know, and he, he he had been doing okay, and so he jumps the gun and he buys him a house in Channel View, which is a suburb of uh, the Houston area, the northeast area of Houston. So this is like April, you know, March, April, in that ballpark, you know, maybe late April. buys buys him the house, and because my dad had kind of said, okay, well, we can't figure out what this problem was. And my mother had been dealing with this pain for almost a year. So my dad was like, okay, you know, I'll retire early. Let's move to Texas. It doesn't matter what kind of job I get. You know, I'll work at the grocery store. I'll do whatever, you know, I'll do whatever I can. And my dad is always, my dad had a pretty good union job. You know, Chicago's a pretty big union town. And, you know, so he did okay. Um, My mom and my grandma never worked and it was just my dad. So he had a pretty good job. So for him to be willing to kind of throw that all away, you know, kind of a big thing. Yeah. So, um, so they, my brother buys house, they're getting ready to move. So, and the way I tell the story normally is that, you know, so at, I'm at that age, you know, 22, 23, 24, where, where all of my like good friends that I grew up with, what I my, well, they're all getting married right at this point, okay. you know? And so yeah. it's kind of forcing me to hang out with some of the people that maybe I shouldn't have been hanging out with, you know? Right. And, um, so yeah, I came to the realizations like, hmm, bitch, probably a better idea if if I, you know, move. <laughs> right. So so I decided to move, and yeah. uh, and I just and at that point it was going to be short term. I was like, you know what, I'll move down there. I'll help you guys set up the utilities. Now get was the that house an easy decision? You were like, you know what, I'm going to move. Or was that like something you thought about for a while and took a while to come to that realization? Um, I felt it was, I mean, as I look back on it, I, I think it was kind of easy. And I think it goes back to my desire to travel. You know what mm. I mean? I kind of, you know, I had, it was in my early 20s, I had just discovered Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I was really into that whole fantasy of like living the adventure and mm. being out there and, sure. you know, and it was just, it presented itself as an adventure, you know, and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So, um. So I did. So I moved down here and uh, I jumped in. My brother was kind enough to let me his car. Mm-hmm. So I just packed up the car with what I could and and I drove down and added a little adventure, came through New Orleans instead of going straight down to Houston, you know. So, so I get to Houston and uh, it was May of 1996 and um, setting everything up for my parents and stuff like that. And uh, Eventually, believe it or not, you know, my um, my mother, they found what the issue was. And of, out of all the doctors and specialists, it was a chiropractor. Nothing wrong really? with my chiropractor friends out there because yeah. <laughs> they, they, they found the issue and what they made it, it better. It was like a combination of pinched nerves and, mm. you know, so. But the point is, is that it was a chiropractor who ended up... Mm. Finding the issue and and you know curing is such a strong word, but I guess he did, you know. Yeah. Um, and then my dad backed out. <laughs> He's like, you know what? Maybe maybe not. Let's postpone it for a little bit. And that postponing it, it never happened. By the way, <laughs> postpone so, what moving? 
They're moving, you know. Yeah, so my brother okay. already bought him a house, right? I'm already living in the house rent free, mm. by the way, you know. So I'm just hanging out, unemployed, driving a bicycle around the neighborhood, you know, <laughs> kind of just, you know, being a goofy kid in my twenties kind of guy, you know. But my parents, so my dad, they started postponing it. They were like, okay, well, maybe in maybe in a year, maybe in a year, mm. okay. And I was already down here, so I, we were going to sell the house, and then I was just going to go back to Chicago. Come January, I decided to go back to college, and I did. I went back to college, San Jacinto College, the North Campus, which is, uh, once again, in the Houston area, the, the Northeast section. And uh, so I started college in January, and then I met my soon-to-be wife. Well, at that time, soon-to-be, but I met, <laughs> my, 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 I met my wife in, like, March, and uh, we're still married, 25 years, and she's the mother of those two kids I was talking about earlier. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I met my wife and, uh, and you know, then, 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 then life happens, you know? So yeah. next thing I know, you know, so your parents did go down. No, they never moved to Houston. What? <laughs> no, they never moved to Houston. So I stayed in my brother's house. I'm a poor guy. I, 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 I love him. But because I never paid him rent either. <laughs> you Good know? brother. One day, yeah, exactly. One day I tell myself if I ever make it big, you know, I'm going to write him a big <laughs> check one day. So, <laughs> so that, I don't know. It depends on how you define making it big. So we, I haven't nailed that down yet. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's my window. <laughs> when do we ever make it? Yeah. Exactly. Wow. But, uh, yeah. So anyway, no, that's but, how I ended up in Houston. That really, yeah. that wasn't the condensed version, by the way. That was a really <laughs> long version. <laughs> Are your parents still around? Unfortunately, they uh, both uh, passed away with uh, COVID in 2020. So we really? lost my mother first in like March. And then I think we lost my dad in like July. My dad had late mm. stages Parkinson's. So I think that pre-existing conditions kind of thing. So he was you know, once he got it, it, it wasn't good. And then my mother had had uh, had been diabetic for a really long time, and she had had a couple heart surgeries and a couple heart attacks. So, you know, when they got it, and it was the, this was the beginning of that whole insanity. You know, so yeah. once they put you on a vent uh, on a ventilator, even back then, you kind of knew that you know it wasn't going to probably end good. But um, but I'm sorry, yeah. No, it's okay. I mean, it's 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 life, you know. You, yeah. You have to really learn to take the good with the bad, and uh, yeah, it's a good example. You're a very optimistic, glasses half full kind of person, aren't you? I I try to be. Um. Okay. So you moved to Houston. You met your lovely wife, and mm -hmm. then did you become a teacher right away, or did you have a? No, no. I mean, I mean. I had I had been flirting with junior college since I was like 17 in Chicago, but I never really took it seriously, you know. So when I came here to Houston and started over in January at the local junior college, and I don't know how smart this makes me sound, but I decided to start over. I didn't want to go through the hassle of trying to bring my credits over or anything like that. So I literally started over. <laughs> so I did the two years to for because it's a junior college, so mm -hmm. it's, you know, my freshman and sophomore courses. So like I said, I, so I met my wife in January, like in February, I, mean, I think it was March of that first year. And I'm sure it helped the the progression of the relationship, the fact that I had, you know, my own house and the burbs and, you know what I mean? So we, sure. we kind of... she was like, this it, guy's fancy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we ended up getting married in October of that year. So, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we're Oh, two. wow. So you met her in January and you got married in October. Yeah, it was quick. It was quick. You knew. So, 
You know. Yeah, you know what? That sounds so cheesy, and I'm not a cheesy kind of guy when it comes to that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, I really did. You know, it's like That's now awesome. that I think about it, it's like you kind of know when you don't really want to be with anybody else, and you don't want to talk to anybody else, and you're just really, you know, you're all. Can in. I ask how old you were? I was um, 23, I think. Well, you, you can do the math if you have something to do with some math. So I'm 1971, mm-hmm. and then it so was 1996. 52? I'll be 50. I think I just turned 51 this year. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, I think I just Sounds turned right. 51 this year. Mm-hmm. So um, so I think I was 22, 22, 23. She was 18. <laughs> she was 18. Um, but, you know, women really are a lot more mature than men. And Facts. to this day, she's still the more mature one. <laughs> I mean, even back then she was. You know, it didn't take her long to realize that she had to, like, you know, be the, the responsible one. What was your so, first job? So we we got married and then we took turns finishing our degrees because, like I said, you know, even though we weren't really paying rent, it, you know, you still have to have a car and pay bills yeah. and stuff like that, right? So um, she got her undergraduate degree first. Then I went back to school and I went through and got my under. So all this time I'm working as a substitute teacher and she is too. We're not rich by any means, and we're not. That's gonna, you know, what happens when you get older. You, you, uh, you kind of romanticize poverty, right? It's like, yeah, you know, we were poor, but we were happy, we and it kind of yeah. exactly, you know. But you're happy, you know. So yeah. life was good. So we weren't really in a hurry. So she graduated, and then I graduated. I graduated in 2005, and it was a year my daughter was born. So my daughter was born in May, and I still had one class to take. So I'm horrible at math, you know, and and I literally ended up self-advising myself all the way to my undergraduate degree. So it was literally the last class I had to take to graduate. Mm-hmm. And it was my, and even then I ended up being able to take, my undergraduate degree is in humanities. So I was able to find a way to take, I took, uh, College algebra for humanities. Yeah, it's like another way of putting math for, for people that don't like math. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So the first part of the story is that I, I begged my my teacher. I went up actually to my instructor and I said, Look, sir, my daughter was just born. Um, I really need to graduate because I really need to get this teaching job. And I had just gotten, I actually had just signed a contract. And even with that was kind of a silly story in the sense that I had to sneak into a job fair because in order to go into the job fair, you already had to either get, you either had to have graduated with a uh, a teaching degree or you had to already have a letter showing that you had gotten into an alternative certification program. Okay. I don't know how uh, uh, familiar people are with that, but in the states where there's high need of teachers, certain states will offer an ACP program, which stands right. for Alternative Certification. And as long as you have a, a bachelor's degree from an accredited university, you can do this ACP program. And um, But the thing is, is that you can't get into job fairs unless you have that ACP program mm-hmm. letter. And you don't get that letter until you get your degree. And I wasn't going to get my degree until I passed that last math class. <laughs> so... I heard about a job fair and I literally snuck in <laughs> and then I said, I snuck in. And at that time, um, my wife's grandmother had worked as an, as an aide for one of the local school districts and they knew her and they loved her. And I went straight to that, uh, to their table and, Oh, this is a uh, Rudell's, uh, you know, grand, uh, grandson-in-law and they introduced me and they interviewed me and they hired me, <laughs> but so they hired me, but I hadn't even graduated yet, <laughs> you know? Right. So now the pressure was on to pass that math test or class. Yeah, exactly. So, um, 
But I think the professor, I ended up getting a C, and I don't know how much of that C I earned, but I worked hard. What would you look back on your life, and what chapter of your life do you look back with the most fond memories? Well, I mean, if it was going to be something that I'd already lived, I would have to say it was probably my elementary years as a student. Uh, I went to a small Catholic school, St. Anthony, South side of Chicago in the neighborhood of Roseland. You know, it was kind of, kind of, now that I think about it, it was kind of like a magical place in a magical set of years. You know, it was so small numbers. We had lunch. We had like lunch ladies, which were like the mothers of my friends. You know, they would come in and they would make homemade food like every day. And to this day, some of the best memories I have about eating food is, you know, from from these ladies. (laughs) That's so Um, opposite than the stereotypical like cafeteria where people get like mush on their plate or something, you know. But yours sounded amazing. Yes, yes, it was. And, uh, you know, I mean, just overall, I mean, it was just a really good experience. You know, I, I really enjoyed it. And I don't want to say I liked school because I was never really a good student until, you know, my college years. But I liked my friends and I liked my teachers. You know, I mean, overall, life was good. You know, you're you're yeah. young and you're innocent. And, you know, some of the best memories I have about, like, Christmases and stuff like that was with in that window. Mm-hmm. There's something magical oh. about a childhood, right? Exactly. Just, you know, yeah. I once I once heard somewhere that uh, we either spend the rest of our lives either trying to recapture our youth or trying to forget it. What part of your life was kind of the most challenging? And you look back on those years and you think that was that was hard. The the phase of my life right before I moved to Texas. You know, I was just, you know, kind of being a knucklehead. You know, the way. Mm-hmm late teens, early 20s, boys will be like, and Mm -hmm. not really putting the priorities in line that I should have, you know. At the same time, you know, you can't really question life too much because then, because I, I kind of stress myself out sometimes. It's like, well, what if I would have been serious in school? Then I wouldn't have Mm -hmm. moved to Texas and I wouldn't have met my wife and I wouldn't, (laughs) you know, but it's like, it's, it's kind of a silly thing to, to think about. But I would say, you know, that phase. So probably from like the 16 to like 21, 22. I mean, I had fun. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's some fun memories there. Absolutely. (laughs) But now as an adult, I kind of think, well, maybe I wasted wasted some opportunities there. You know, wasted maybe a little bit too much time with kind of, you know, quote unquote, having fun. You know? Yeah. Were they hard, though? Were they hard years? You know, I think I think they were hard maybe more as I think about them now. I wasn't I wasn't like depressed or anything like that at the, at that time, you know what I mean? But I was starting to start to feel like right before I moved to Texas it was like, man, I should have I should have I shouldn't really be in this position, you know, I shouldn't be almost 23. My friends were graduating college, you know, getting married, and they seemed to be following the prescribed American life plan sure. where, you know, I was still kind of hanging out with some some friends, maybe, you know, midnight, one o'clock. And, you know, I was making decent money. I was selling insurance. So it wasn't an issue about not making money, yeah. but, you know, I was spending it all, yeah. <laughs> you know, literally. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just, I wouldn't say they were hard, but... You know what it was? I would think, and it's interesting that you just bring this up because the first time I've really thought about it, I just don't think they had meaning for me. They weren't meaningful mm. years. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, it just, they weren't meaningful. They weren't, now I feel a little bit more fulfilled. You know what I mean? I, I kind of fell into the world of education and, and as a, I'm the school counselor now, I've really, I really liked being a school teacher and I've really enjoyed being a school counselor. 
I think it even goes back way to when I, when I was a kid at elementary school. You know, I wanted to be a priest for several mm-hmm. years, for quite a bit of years. You know, I, I, maybe even as a kid, I kind of knew I wanted to f- do something more than just, mm-hmm. you know, just make money and have fun, you know. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's why maybe it was probably my, my most troubling years that I would, I would consider. I feel like you're really in, insightful and I feel like you're really, you really dug deep with that and thinking back on those. I think I really like the word you used. It just didn't have meaning to you. And then when you think about who you are today, what are, what are your values? What are things that you, that define Enrique? It almost, you know, I find myself almost living in like in two different worlds, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm the school counselor guy and then I'm the parent guy, <laughs> you know? Sure. A value that I, I, w- I would say that I, is important to me is, you know, consistency. You have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be ethical. And sometimes when I try to explain to people, I said, like, you know, to explain it in the, the most simplest way is that just if you know, just you personally know that you tried your best every day, those days add up. And then eventually mm-hmm. you're going to be in a good position. But it, it's not it's not somebody else tells you you did a good day, you had a good day, or, you you know, you're doing good. It's like it's it's a you thing. Mm-hmm. Are you doing your best? Are you trying your best? Only you know that. And that's kind of the way I kind of try to live my life, you know. It's like when I was teaching, it's like, you know, I tried to be the best teacher I could every day. Even, even if I accepted that every day wasn't my best day because maybe right. I was sick or maybe I wasn't feeling well or, you know, or whatever the case might be. Just try to make the best of every day and eventually all those days add up and hopefully get you to where you want to be and be the person that you want to be. So I heard you say two words there. You said your values are being consistent and being ethical. And to to you, consistent means tr- trying every day. Is that right? Like yes, being your best you every day. And yes, that's consistent. Yes. I would agree. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes. Well, do you, uh, when you first said consistent, I think what popped into my mind is being the same person all the time. W- would you say that that's part of your definition? Mm. Well, you know, it's interesting that you put it that way because, you know, technically, I mean, and kind of turn this into like a philosophy segment, but, <laughs> you know, we, 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 we never really are the same person, right? I mean, we're literally a different person tomorrow than we are hmm. than we were today just because of life experiences. I mean, the, sure. the, the simple fact that we survive today influence who we are tomorrow, right? Absolutely. So, hmm. so I guess when I say consistency, it's not necessarily being the same you know, 100% same person, mm. but I guess maybe consistent and just, you know, the way you treat people, what things you, you value is important and what things you work towards. I guess that's what I mean by consistent. Man, do mm. I love a consistent person. You know, like <laughs> just for, for you to value that, I think being a person receiving that is so appreciated to the world. I feel like People who are not consistent with who they are, that's a hard person to to have in your life when you're not quite sure who's showing up. And then your second value you mentioned was ethical. Do you think that's rooted in your upbringing and being in a, a Catholic school? And um, I think, you know, I, I think so. I would, I would like, I would like to think so. You know, the, the interesting part now is that, you know, I'm not a practicing Catholic and my wife and I consider our family like we're religious mutts. You know, she was raised in a strict, Southern Baptist family, and then I was, you know, I did Catholic school all the way through, and and now, you know, we we attend, you know, the the Protestant group, you know, so. But I would say yes, I, w- I would say yes that I, you know, I I think it had a lot to do, and I think it had a lot to do with with my parents, you know. So they're mm-hmm. kind of very, they were very old school. My mom never worked. My dad always worked. 
my dad, my dad, um, unfortunately, I really didn't get a lot of spend a lot of time with my dad because he always worked second shift. He worked in a factory, you know, in a, in a, I guess they would call them plants in Texas, but they made, he made boxes. <laughs> he worked for a box making company and he always worked second shift. He worked from 2.30 to 11 and he, he worked that shift pretty much my entire you. So I only really got to see my dad at on, on Friday nights. My mom would let us stay up in the late for him to come home, and he always bring us some candy, and on the weekends. But uh, so I guess seeing that work ethic in him, that he literally never missed work. I mean, it was like a major thing when he missed work. And it, you know, the only the few times I remember him missing work it was because the car had issues. The car had broken down or something like that, and yeah. we weren't able to get it fixed right away. And then, you know, I was lucky enough to have been raised by my mother and my grandmother. My mother's mother lived with us my entire childhood. So that was always consistent, you know what I mean? In the sense that I always had a mom and a grandma there. And I guess I had it pretty good. Now that I look about it and look back on it, you know, and you know, I, I feel that I, I, I had it pretty good. I'm just blabbing. I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I no, warned you. That's, oh, no, <laughs> As no, an educator, what, I blab. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what this podcast is all about. At the beginning, when I asked you about your values, uh, you said, well, I, you know, I'm a, I, there's a counselor me and there's a home husband father me. Do you feel like those values change with who who you are, your consistency and your ethics as a counselor and as the home Enrique? Sometimes I feel it's easier to be the teacher slash counselor yeah. than it is to be the parent. You know what I mean? Because, mm. I mean, at, at, at home, I always tell people who will listen, is that at home, I'm just a goofy, goofy guy. You know, I'm just, you know what I mean? I'm just a goofy Enrique. I'm, I'm not really like Mr. Chapel, <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Chapel, the teacher or Mr. Chapel, the counselor. I'm, I'm just, you know, goofy dad who, who has, I'm a really bad speller and they tease me about that. And mm -hmm. I have a really bad short-term memory, <laughs> you know? <laughs> They're constantly teasing me about this kind of thing. So, I mean, I'm just, you know what I mean? Which, which is okay. I mean, that's life. You know? Yeah, it's family. That's what the, I yeah, feel like that's exactly. what they're there for. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Keep us grounded, right? Remind yeah. us who we really are. I think I want to, I want to wrap this up and kind of end it. Um, you, you talk about being a counselor with a, you know, when, when you talk about a, being a counselor, I see your eyes kind of looking up and, and I feel like there's a real soft spot in your, in your heart and in your body. And like when you, when you're talking about your job, um, mm -hmm. can you tell me about what is it about being a counselor that you love? Mm. You know, it was almost kind of the same thing. I mean, when I, when I tell people what pushed me into counseling was, one of the things that I enjoyed the most of being a classroom teacher was kind of the social emotional aspect of it, yeah. not necessarily the academics, you know? I mean, I was decent, you know, decent test numbers and everything like that. So, I mean, I, I was okay with the academics as well, but I really liked what I, what I enjoyed most about being a classroom teacher was creating that safe environment where, where a student would, was able to thrive, you know? Mm. And unfortunately, you know, teaching in, in inner city Houston, you know, some kids didn't have that at all at home, you know? Mm. It was the classroom that the only place they had that, you know, the only place they felt, you know, loved and cared for and understood and safe. I think that's a big part of it. And mm. I think that's what really pushed me to be, want to become a counselor. And and now, I mean, I I literally get to do that every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's okay to strive to be perfect, but you know, you try to get them to understand that you know we're never really going to be perfect. You know, and and if you don't start to accept that, you're just going to cry every day, and you you want to cry every day. <laughs> I just you know I like helping, and I I I like helping. I like feeling that 
kind of a positive in his world, you know, trying to make the world. This this sounds really cheesy, but you know, I really <laughs> want to make the world hit. a little <laughs> hit you with the cheese. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, just I really try to make the world a better place, you know, day by day. You know what I mean? Sure. Instance by instant, case by case, just try to make the world a better place. And and um, I think as a counselor, you know, you it's one of the few jobs where you really get an opportunity to do that. Well, this has been just such a, a joy and a pleasure. Um, thank, well, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to Just to Know You. We would like to thank our amazing tech man, Mr. Kent Arimura, Sterling McDonald for the podcast music, and the SAES community. See you next time. If you know anyone who you think has a great story to tell, we would love to hear about it. Please send an email to either Angela, Darian, or Kent. <laughs>